Revolutions Per Minute is a weekly radio show from the New York City chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America, recorded live at WBAI 99.5 in Brooklyn every Tuesday at 5. RPM is about doing the work, the work to build a democratic socialist future. Every week, hear the latest news, analysis, and organizing experience from the minds and hearts of activists fighting every day in NYC. Join the movement at socialists.nyc. Hey, New York City, this is Lee Zishi, and you're listening to Revolutions Per Minute on WBAI, a socialist radio show and podcast from members of the New York City Democratic Socialists of America. First, today we'll be covering the headlines from a socialist analyst, and then we're going to take a look at harm reduction in the criminal justice system and citywide efforts to organize around Tiffany Caban's campaign for Queens District Attorney. Attorney. In the studio, we have Jonathan Bailey from the Queens DSA Organizing Committee, Afro-Socialist Caucus, and Justice for All Coalition, who's advocating for an elected civilian review board for the police department. We'll also be speaking to Alex Holstrom-Smith from the Electoral Working Group about why a district attorney candidate matters, and Jose Cabrera, of, also of the Queens DSA Organizing Committee and the Justice for All Coalition, regarding decarceration. And as always, we'll open up the phones in the last segment of the show to hear from you. You know, this is a democratic socialist radio, and we want to hear your perspective on the fight for socialism in New York City. And first, we'll start with the headlines with Jack Devine. Last Tuesday, Jamani Williams beat out 16 other candidates to become New York City's new public advocate. Since this was a special election, Williams will still need to go through a Democratic primary this June, as well as a general election in November to secure his seat beyond this year. A date has not been set for the special election to fill Jamani Williams' now vacant city council seat in Flatbush, but several candidates have started campaigning. This past week, Andrew Cuomo has once again proven that he's a snake dancing to the tune of the American ruling class. On Friday, he continued his attempt to lure Amazon back to New York by running a pathetic full-page ad in the New York Times begging Jeff Bezos to reconsider his decision not to move forward with HQ2 in Long Island City. In addition to licking the boots of billionaires, Cuomo's other favorite activity is throwing New York's most vulnerable communities under the bus. Despite saying last year that he would support a bill granting driver's licenses to undocumented immigrants if it were passed by the state legislature, Cuomo has been privately calling newly elected state senators, telling them not to vote for such a bill. The bill could affect as many as 265,000 New Yorkers. In presidential election news, Bernie Sanders held his opening campaign rally this past Saturday at Brooklyn College. 13,000 people listened to the Democratic Socialist Senator share his vision for transforming the country, as well as his harrowing tale of how his family was wiped out by Nazi barbarism. Meanwhile, at CPAC, Trump denounced socialism, proclaimed the beauty of machine guns, and declared TiVo one of the greatest inventions in history. The teacher strike at the Summit Academy Parma in Ohio, as well as the teacher strike in Oakland, concluded this weekend with negotiated contracts that won numerous gains for the workers. In Oakland, public school teachers won an 11% salary increase over four years, plus a 3% bonus upon ratification. Additionally, the contract carves out funding for the increasing of counselors and various medical assistants in the schools, a one student reduction in high school class size starting next year, 
and moratoriums on both public school closures and charter school openings. Direct action gets the goods. However, it's critical to note that the strikers did not win all their games and the struggle continues. On Monday, hundreds of Oakland high school students marched through the board meeting to protest budget cuts. The fight to tax the rich and fully fund public education is just beginning. Congressional Representative Ilan Omar continues to face racist attacks from both Republican and Democratic politicians due to her courageous stance against U.S. empire and for Palestinian human rights. Many of these same politicians have supported wars that have slaughtered hundreds of thousands of civilians across the globe and approved billions of dollars in arms sales to Saudi Arabia. Solidarity with Ilan Omar and anyone who fights back against the barbarism of the imperialist war machine. And for more strike news from right here in New York City, we'll go to Michelle Gonzalez for an update on the New York State Nurses Association pending strike. Hi, my name is Michelle Gonzalez, and I'm a registered nurse at the Montefiore Hospital in the Bronx. Hospitals all across the city are dangerously understaffed. Bad staffing in hospitals means less time for every patient. Too many patients for each nurse leads to violence, infection, and worse results for everybody. Just like the striking teachers in Los Angeles, nurses have been pushing in contract negotiations for enforceable limits so nurses can safely care for each patient. But the hospitals have been busy building luxury accommodations for VIPs, consolidating their control of the healthcare system, and expanding their real estate portfolio. The New York State Nurses Association says every patient is a VIP. About 9,000 nurses voted last week to authorize a strike if management does not prioritize care for our communities. Come join us on Thursday at 10 a.m. at the Stewart Hotel in Manhattan as we announce the next step in our campaign. That's Thursday at 10 a.m. at the Stewart Hotel. See you there. Solidarity to uh, our nurses, brothers, and sisters who are, you know, considering a strike right now. Our daily headlines are brought to you by The Thorn, an incredible weekly newsletter by New York City DSA Electoral Working Group covering local politics and radical activism. Subscribe at thethorn.nyc. And so today, let's start digging into our our topic, which is uh, the... Tiffany Caban and running for district attorney. Uh, in the studio, we have Phil Henkin, who's been deep in the weeds on this. Uh, hey, what's up? Yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Phil, and some of the uh, work you've been doing. Yeah, sure thing. Um, I am uh, part of the Queens Electoral Working Group Organizing Committee, uh, and we are engaged in an all-out effort to um, support a uh, Democratic Socialist uh, district attorney for the new district attorney in Queens. Uh, we'd like to put on a clip right now, uh, Tiffany, in her own words. Public events world, there is a code that we live by. This idea that our clients come first, always. To get a public vendor and land them in the DA's office feels like the ultimate act of advocacy on behalf of my clients and our communities. Because while these offices train their own to secure convictions and sentences, what we should be using is the public defender rubric for success. How do we decarcerate? 
How do we reduce recidivism? How do we inject fairness into a process to make sure that the law is being implemented equally across racial and class lines? And beyond that, it's not just any public defender, it's this public defender because my experiences matter. The fact that I am a queer Latina from a low-income community, that matters. It matters that I am the daughter of a proud Latino man who fought to keep a roof over our heads while he cycled in and out of sobriety and rehab. My personal experiences with violence, exposure to mental health issues, substance use disorder, and economic insecurity tie me to the folks who so desperately need and want to be heard by those in power, who deserve to be in power, informing the policies and making sure that we are held accountable and that the policies that we put in place have the intended impacts. This is the work I have always done. I've spent my career doing this. This isn't a pivot, it's not a 180. It is very much so uh, tied to the survival of me and my family and my communities and all of the things. So thank you. That was Tiffany Caban, who is a DSA endorsed candidate for Queens um, District Attorney. And on the line, we have Alex. Alex, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, can you start off by just telling us a little bit about what brought you to DSA and some of the organizing you've been doing through DSA? Uh, sure. Um, I am a DSA member in Queens. I'm also studying at CUNY Law School. Um, I'm hoping to be a labor and workers' rights attorney. And I joined DSA in 2016 because I kind of saw a lot of other people joining, and it seemed like a good place to be doing left organizing, basically. And I'm most attracted to DSA because I like that we're working on sort of concrete local campaigns like this one, but we also have a bigger socialist vision, and that was something that I hadn't seen in left or socialist organizations before the kind of recent growth of DSA. Cool. Uh, and oh. oh, other things that I'm working on. This is the main campaign I'm working on right now, but I'm also on the organizing committee of our local chorus, who I think you guys heard on the intro jingle. Are you on that recording? Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you for coming on. Uh, I guess the main thing that we want to get at, first of all, is uh, what is a DA and uh, why do democratic socialists care about it? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I mean, a DA is sort of the head prosecutor in the criminal justice system, but it is an elected position. So I think that we should be thinking about it as essentially a political position, um, like any other elected office. We care about who's in those positions because they have a lot of power and they can really change and influence how things are done. So one of the key things that's important about DAs is that they have a lot of discretion and that means that they basically, you know, get to choose which kinds of cases they think are worth pursuing, what do they think should be the priorities of the office, which crimes they think are like really harming people in the community and which ones are just like not worth their time. And I think that's really why a socialist running for this office has so much potential to really change the conversation about like what is justice, who is causing harm, who is, you know, not causing harm basically. And that's where we're going to talk about Things like, you know, not prosecuting people for fair evasion or welfare fraud or, um, you know, sex work, for example. These are the kinds of things that are basically working people just surviving and 
Tiffany Caban, if she's elected, she can just say that none of that is worth her time and she can really focus on going after the kinds of like real estate fraud or wage theft or the kinds of things that are actually really hurting people. Great. Uh, are there things that, um, particularly in the causes that uh, you organize around, that you think that uh, Tiffany or um, basically any progressive DA uh, could assist the goals that you're working towards, um, in addition to what you uh, just said? Yeah, I mean, so I think a lot of what she's talked about lines up with a lot of different work that DSA is doing. So, like I mentioned, she's the candidate who has said that she will completely not prosecute sex work, which is something that also, um, like Julia Salazar, the state senator that DSA helped elect, has also talked about decriminalizing sex work through legislation. So that lines up really well. Also, um, you know, DSA does a lot of local tenant organizing in New York City. And um, Tiffany has definitely talked about prosecuting um, landlords that are harassing rent-stabilized tenants. Um, my particular interest is definitely in workers' rights. I sort of got into reading about wage theft um, when I was inter like interning for a workers' rights nonprofit last summer. And so we were helping workers recover money um, when their bosses had just uh, not paid them the minimum wage or something like that, or like overtime, other kinds of rules about wages. But it just, when I started really looking into it, it's like amazing how pervasive this crime is. Um, there was a Department of Labor study that looked at the restaurant industry and found like 84% of the restaurants that they audited had uh, labor violations. And the amount of money that's stolen from workers is like far exceeds all of the robberies nationally, for example, like the amount of money that's stolen. So it just really got me thinking, like if we're supporting campaigns like the Fight for 15, or other kinds of, you know, campaigns that expand the rights that workers have, it really only matters if those uh, laws are actually being enforced. And that's where a DA can come in. So uh, part of what we're talking about here then really is is abuse of power, right? Um, is that something else, um, you know, we could talk about uh, uh, police misconduct and how that's being handled mm -hmm. and impunity in the justice system, uh, even when there's a uh, wrongdoing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think impunity is a really big problem in general for police, for, for like white collar crime. I mean, we know that the people who basically tanked the economy, um, are all living in their nice Manhattan apartments and they committed crimes and like none of them were prosecuted except for that tiny bank, Abacus Bank, right? Um, you know, so, and that's just because we have this kind of systematic class and racial bias in our justice system where a lot of the people like DAs, prosecutors, it's like they don't even think that we would put someone like Goldman Sachs on trial or actually put them in jail, you know, because like jail is for poor people, you know, there's this kind of like idea that we can just have this two-tiered system of justice that is like incredibly punitive and harsh for poor and working class people and people of color primarily. And then, you know, just like this system of civil penalties for, um, for, for rich people and often like no no penalties at all right i mean we know the person who killed eric garner is 
like basically still a police officer, right? Yeah. So I mean, there's just no like no accountability for people who are harming like the working class communities, and that's who Tiffany um, would be representing as DA, as, as DA. And so that you know she can actually make it her job to to actually represent those people and to to do that in a way that really advances justice. So what we're we're making a case here. Uh, their law enforcement exists, but we can re uh, reconsider how we're actually thinking about criminal justice and having a democratic socialist as a DA uh, would be tremendously influential in that. Yeah, I mean, the kind of movement nationally to run progressives for DA is really just getting started. You know, we had Larry Krasner who won in Philadelphia, and he eliminated cash bail um, for nonviolent crimes, which makes a huge difference for the number of people who are incarcerated and their ability to communicate with family members, stuff like that, right? But, um, you know, Tiffany Caban is running to the left of him on a number of issues, and um, and we just, I, I think, like, what this office can do um, has not been fully explored. And so we're going to keep seeing these races in different parts of the country with people trying to push for more and more progressive change in this office. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for joining us and, you know, explaining this really exciting organizing opportunity that we have here in Queens in New York City. Um, you are listening to Revolutions Per Minute on listener-sponsored WBAI in New York, broadcasting on 99.5, streaming at WBAI.org. And today we're talking about the Queens District Attorney race in 2019. And we're in the studio. We have Jonathan Bailey. Um, Jonathan, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, how you've gotten involved? involved at DSA and the work you're doing? Who are you and what are we doing here? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, sure. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I do stuff with uh, with the Queens uh, Organizing Committee of DSA. Um, but I, I also, I also uh, try to do my best to be... Um, I, I'm a, one of also the, the members of uh, the OC of, of Afro-Socialist Caucus, and I spend a lot of time um, trying to do work around um, the anti-colonial efforts uh, of, of, of socialism. Um, so, like, for me, what brought me to socialism was I uh, started off, like, getting more and more involved with uh, black liberation uh, activism, um, and trying to like sort out the whole issue with you know, hey, so America is like super racist. Like, what's up with that? <laughs> um, and that like led me to uh, the Black Panthers, and from there, um, that led me to to socialism um, and recognizing how uh, having a socialist analysis is is a is a fundamental need for for Black liberation efforts. Um, so that, that eventually kind of brought me to DSA, um, just because, uh, DSA has been doing a lot of work around trying to, uh, push socialist ideas out there and trying to create as many, uh, opportunities to organize a socialist, um, socialist sentiment. Right. When we spoke before, you said this was the, uh, the anti-racist side of anti-capitalist work, right? Like that's, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, well, okay, so, like, a lot of people don't necessarily, like, so one of the difficulties, I think, right now with our, our socialist movement uh, in America is that um, I think that we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of sentiment that's anti-capitalist, and that's, that's great. I mean, let's go after some bankers, right? <laughs> um, but a lot of times people don't necessarily understand how uh, capitalism ends up creating uh, all of these uh, colonial issues, um, which, you know, how we see those colonial issues in America is, is tends to be very much based upon, upon race. You know, we, we see those manifest as, as racism. I mean, colonialism can be, can be drawn on, on any borders, right? You know, they can be drawn on geographic borders. They can be drawn on racial borders or religious borders. But, you know, in America, it looks like, um, like cops on the block, uh, you know, arresting people really at targeting to to evict them so that property can be uh, captured by capitalists who want to to turn a profit. You know, uh, when real estate developers realize, hey, this land that's that uh, that Queensbridge sits on is extremely valuable now, and so Oops. yeah, so we need we need a certain group of individuals to be to be getting out. Um, that's, that's tends to me that that's how I see, uh, um, our efforts of socialism or urban removal. They used to call that. Yeah. Um, so specifically, um, if we haven't, if we haven't covered this, what, what goals do you have for your organizing work with DSA? What are the main projects you organize for with DSA and how is the DA relevant to that for you? <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of pieces. Yeah, you, you can break it down <laughs> into smaller parts <laughs> or just skip ahead, whatever, uh, whatever works. <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh, for me, you know, what I want to, to see is I want to see more, I, I want to see a greater focus on um, on organizing anti-colonial sentiment um, because to me I, I see like with the impetus going a- as it is right now it's quite possible that we end up building a socialist movement that actually just doesn't have uh, black and brown people present and if we do that we'll build a socialist movement that doesn't actually have its its interests and its ties uh, to the interests that colonized people um people have uh and that would be that'd be just really really dangerous and scary that's like national socialism not democratic socialism e- right? exactly exactly um if we if we end up yeah <laughs> exactly if we end up building a socialist movement that has no interest in fighting uh colonialism then what we'll end up doing is we'll enfranchise a lot of people to the benefits of socialism uh without actually tackling the way that uh, that our systems are oppressing so many different groups of people. So, so for me, that is is my focus. I, I think that we actually have to prioritize um, uh, anti-colonial issues, issues of imperialism first. Um, we have to make sure that when we put forward an analysis and we say the working class, that we don't first deracialize the working class. That it that that is uh, is a central and um, that that's a, just a component that we recognize. That we recognize, hey, the working class I- I isn't isn't this deracialized entity. It's made up of lots of different people with different identities, and the way that they might experience the oppression of capitalism might be drawn very explicitly along those lines. 
So how about um, an elected civilian review board yeah. and the police? Yeah, let's get <laughs> yeah, into yeah, that. Yeah. That's, that's why you're here, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm here. Um, so uh, the elected civilian review board campaign, um, what we're trying to do is uh, currently right now, um, when anybody experiences any kind of violence from the police um, and they have a problem with that, uh, what they can do right now is go to the CCRB and submit a complaint. Um, we recognize that this isn't really working, but uh, the reason why it's not working, of course, is that uh, the board is appointed by the police commissioner and the mayor, and uh, that is obviously not going to... Re- yeah. Something about <laughs> that feels like Apple customer service. Yeah. Like, <laughs> good luck to you, sirs. I, I'm, I, like, I actually feel quite... quite uh, quite a bit more enthusiastic about Apple uh, service than... You might be right. (laughs) Um, But, like, even if they do, as a board, do anything, the police commissioner can just ignore them, right? So it's really just a system to... uh, to kind of dissipate uh, people's frustrations. So the elected civilian review board campaign would introduce legislation to the city charter that would change that board to an elected position. So we would, as communities across New York, we would get to vote for who gets to sit on that board. Um, so like, you know, we're talking about uh, changing, changing like, you know, actually making sure that it's people who are tied to the communities uh, that are sitting on these on this board. Uh, also, we want to make their decisions binding, right? I mean, if, you know, if they want to fire a police officer for misconduct, they need to be able to fire a police officer for misconduct. In fact, because right now, the the I think uh, last year, it was over 500 police officers they, they recognized as, yeah, they did wrong, and the worst thing that that came out of that uh, from the the police perspective is is a is a loss of vacation days. Um, and that, wow, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, like a lot of us who aren't paid for for when we have time off of work, we we call that a vacation, you know. So like people, cops getting vacation for for uh, committing violence against people. So we need to change that. So with uh, an elected civilian review board, with people who are on a bo- the board that are elected, we're really talking about community control of the police. We're we're changing. A, we're talking about changing the relationship of police uh, to the public and and, and vice versa. Um, so like that'd be dope. Awesome. <laughs> um, how? Uh, last question before we have to take a quick break for something else. Um, how do you think a a, a DA would work? Uh, with or against uh, ECRB and um, yeah, you know, uh, would that be a, a relationship in tandem with a potentially with a Democratic Socialist DA? Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm I'm particularly um, I'm particularly happy uh, that uh, Tiffany Kavan has decided to support the ECRB campaign, um, and furthermore, she has uh, made a commitment to. Um, to actually like take steps. So an, another piece of the ECRB legislation is to have the the role of in which you know the the actual attorney that's prosecuting police for misconduct uh, that that will be a special prosecutor separate from the DA. Um, so you know if we if we're able to achieve that, we won't have any reliance on the DA to to prosecute police, which is how it should nice. be. But Tiffany is has already committed to take steps to support 
um, to support that, but also uh, to which which changes changes obviously her relationship to that. You know, she's not taking that on herself and insisting that just she should be responsible for it. Great. Uh, anything else um, you want to check in about the ECRB? You know, I, I think I think that's it. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna move on then. Um, Queens did an all-out petitioning kickoff uh, this past uh, Saturday. Um, we're uh, petitioning to get Tiffany Caban on the Queens DA ballot. So uh, I was uh, literally on the street with Daniel Lynch, who we've heard from before on this program, uh, and uh, I talked to him a little bit about petitioning and uh, why we're doing it. How are you? Can I help a candidate Democrat? Solo una fermita. Cuesta dos segundos. On the street with our man on the street, Daniel Lynch. What is petitioning and why are we doing it for a DA candidate? Great. So for any candidate electorally, just a little administrative fact, you got to petition. You got to get probably, well, by law, I guess 4,000 signatures here. Right. But we're obviously going to be challenged by uh, all these other opponents. So you probably want to get 6,000 to have a margin of error. And then after that, you want to get more because, you know, it sends a message. But then secondly, it's a great opportunity to, well, to frame it this way. Any signature counts as long as you're a Democrat in Queens to get you on the ballot. But if in the course of talking to you, we think you're maybe sympathetic to the values of the candidate, you can uh, later promote to them in the more persuasion and get out the vote stages of the campaign. Of course, being, you know, DSA, these are folks that are not just necessarily allies in a future primary or general election, but also for any number of other campaigns around criminal justice reform, you know, eco-socialism, housing rights, Medicare for all, etc. Cool. Talk to me a little bit about the Kaban kickoff event. What have we done today? Yes, so a big shout out to a number of DSA members and frankly non-DSA members, general cool people in Queens and other boroughs who spent the past week reaching out with folks, making them aware of this awesome launch, even if we coincide with a Papa Bernie, who got a little bit in the way today. <laughs> uh, but uh, a ton of people showed up. It was great. A lot of uh, return canvassers from, you know, electoral canvases like Ocasio and Salazar. Nice. But also, uh, you know, other like of our issue based things like the I think people were participating, you know, universal rent control, healthcare, uh, Amazon, Amazon, etc. Right. Yeah. So really uh, sharp crew, but then a lot of first timers. It's really always just exciting to teach people about some things I think they intrinsically know, just like how to talk to your neighbors about awesome policies that they already like and what they can do about it. Cool. And so that was Dan Lynch uh, doing canvassing for Tiffany Caban. Um, now we're going to be joined by Jose Cabrera, who's another Queens DSA member. Can you hear us, Jose? Yes, I can. How are you doing this uh, evening? We're doing good. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, we like to kind of start off when we have guests, since we're, a, you know, the show's about the organizing, to let people know who people are who are on the show. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you joined DSA, and some of the great work that you're doing? Yeah, of course. So I'm a lifelong New Yorker, uh, lifelong Queens native. I am a veteran who is very much so anti-war, anti-American imperialism. Uh, I'm a Hunter College graduate. Uh, big shout out to Hunter. Um, so uh, I came into the DSA uh, right after the, the election. Um, 
had some friends who were doing this. I, I knew I had to do something, but I wasn't sure what. And when the DSA was brought to my attention, it sounded like a good group of folks uh, who were doing some solid work, and I wanted to get involved. So uh, I, I first got involved as a DSA mobilizer. Uh, so that led me to the Justice for All Coalition. Uh, that's a group that was founded by women of color uh, who live in Queensbridge, uh, Ravenswood, Astoria Houses. Uh, we've been working with them for about a year and a half. We do canvases for them. Uh, we help them set up town halls, things like that. Uh, we also set up a, a Rikers table. Uh, we give coffee and food to families on their way to visit folks at Rikers. Uh, we talk to them about ending cash bail and closing, uh, closing Rikers. Um, so we do that, and also, uh, what else do I have here? And, you know, our latest uh, campaign is uh, Tiffany Caban, uh, public defender for uh, Queens DA. So let me, uh, thanks for being here, Jose, by the way, uh, Queens in the house and this house is really far from Queens. So, um, uh, what I wanted to ask is, uh, how is a DA relevant to, uh, to the work that you're doing, uh, particularly around decarceration? Well, I think it's extremely important. You know, um, when you look at who lives in Queensbridge, Astoria houses, Ravenswood, these are predominantly black and brown communities. And we know who ends up being prosecuted, who ends up in jail, right? It's these communities. So we've already been working in this in the community for about a year and a half. And it just seems like a really natural way to keep helping by electing a public defender who wants to decarcerate our neighborhoods, you know, who wants to bring communities back together. You know, I think that's really important. And when you look at Tiffany, um, you know, she wants to do something that's called establish a retroactive release unit, right? There are people sitting in jail who haven't been prosecuted and nobody even cares about prosecuting them. And they're just sitting there because there's nobody there to get them out. You know, right now in NYCHA, if you uh, are prosecuted for something, you are kicked out of the facility and you can't actually live there with your family. So, you know, Tiffany wants to start looking at ways to reduce recidivism, uh, protect immigrants from ICE, and to really say we don't need new jails. You know, what we need is reformative justice. We need to get people vocational skills. We need to get people the, the treatment that's going to treat the core of the issue, not just lock people up in cages. And I feel that Tiffany really understands that. Well, one of the things that struck me uh, initially meeting her on behalf of the electoral working group was um, definitely that she had this idea about, you know, we shouldn't just be throwing people away. Uh, we shouldn't be uh, putting people in cages, but we need to be thinking about, you know, how to, um, you know, how we can actually help them, how we reintroduce them back into society, right? Absolutely. You know, um, people don't need to be thrown in cages, right? They need to be with their families. They need to be, you know, going to work to support their families. The answer isn't cages. And, you know, I think that's the answer to a lot of questions in America right now, the answer is not cages. And so um, uh, you and Jonathan both uh, have been part of Justice for All Coalition. Um, are there aspects of that that, um, you know, that you think that uh, a DA would positively influence the um, uh, tenant mobilization? Uh, I think so. Uh, but I would want to say, you know, part of the conversation that we've been having with people for the last year and a half is, People say, okay, we're having this conversation, right? We're saying we want to end cash bail. We're saying we want no new jails. We want to close Rikers, right? But how do we get that done? So now that we have a candidate like this, you know, we have a 
part of it answers that question, you know. It's not just, okay, we're having this conversation, but now that we've been having this conversation and we're all on the same page, okay, here, here is part of the solution, is bringing in a public defender who is going to start fighting for the issues that we've been talking about, like ending cash bail. And ending cash bail would basically, 80% of the population in Rikers is there because they can't pay their bail. You end cash bail, you pretty much empty out Rikers. And people understand how that's going to affect them. People who have to visit their relatives, people who have to get on that bus that goes to Rikers, there's only one bus. So if you're going to you know, talk to, to tenants and talk to things that affect people, uh, policing is huge. Policing is huge. NYCHA is over-policed. Uh, you hear horror stories about the way people are treated in NYCHA. So um, I think this really ties in wonderfully to have somebody like Tiffany Caban that you could speak to people about about improving uh, an over-policed situation. Great. Thanks a lot. And since, um, Jonathan, if, you're, if your mic is, is hot, um, since both of you guys have been uh, uh, active with, uh, with decarceration and, and active against um, aggressive law enforcement, uh, you know, if you could tell me a little bit about, you know, just sort of what went into um, being able to get behind a district attorney, right? I mean, these are conversations we have in DSA. It's like, is this person just a, a cop? Are they in the business of locking people up, right? Like, how do we, you know, how do we conceive of, of this, like, harm reduction, you know? Well, she she gave us everything we asked. <laughs> I mean... I, I mean, at least God from, bless her. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, like from my perspective, at least, it's that like I didn't expect uh, that a DA would get behind the ECRB uh, legislation, and I think Tiffany's the actually the only candidate that supports uh, that. You know, she's the only one who recognizes these issues and wants to do something about it. Uh, she was the only one. Like, okay, so there was, like, a ton of things that there was a lot of a lot of us, you know, when we we're working on trying to figure out uh, a, a, a DA candidate that we were trying to put forward. Like, hey, you know, maybe let's go after, uh, like, landlords that, you know, are abusing uh, their tenants or em- employers that are, like, stealing from their employees. Like, hey, if we're going to, as socialists, if we're going to... Um, participate in a DA race let's get a DA that will go after those people like let's go after the capitalists (laughs) I think that's a really exciting thing about this you know so much of organizing that happens I think especially outside of DSA is so siloed and then you have this thing like DA and the criminal justice system which is like really not very accessible to a, a lot of people you know I've been like arrested twice for doing civil disobedience which is like a very privileged thing to do to get to choose that but to be in those situations looking at a court and having no idea really what's going on and how to explain that you know it's this very kind of it has such a direct impact on people's life but it's also kind of this like esoteric body and then to connect that with things like landlords and rent is just like I think a very exciting thing and have you guys experienced while talking to people in Queens that people that this is something that they understand and are really excited about the potential of it I'm not sure if that's supposed to be Jose or me so go go crazy I think people are excited about it you know because we've been talking to people about these issues for quite a while now and to now actually have a candidate that is not only going to have this conversation, but is on our side. 
I mean, that, that's humongous to, to people who've been having this conversation for quite a while. And a great thing to point about Tiffany, is when we had uh, a forum with her, uh, we realized she didn't have a position on the new jails. We approached her, told her what our position was on the new jails, that we don't need new jails, and she adopted that position. You know, this is a public defender who, who really gets it. And when you bring up a point that maybe is an oversight, she went right ahead and made that correction. So uh, I think things like that that show the type of uh, DA Tiffany Caban would be. And what is she is she facing? You know, how many other candidates are running? What does DSA have to do to get her elected, Phil? <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of candidates. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, the, the thing about it is, is I, I don't think we really have, um, you know, another genuine progressive democratic socialist. Uh, we have, um, you know, we have a lot of fairly machine candidates um, you know, people that are trying to uh, position themselves in local politics. Um, but I think that, yeah, part of the challenge also is, um, you know, like as we were talking about with the petitioning, you know, we just have to just to get someone on the ballot, um, you know, who's not running with this sort of official sanction. You know, um, th- there had been thoughts that, that Richard Brown would retire and then potentially, you know, appoint Melinda Katz, the next district attorney, um, you know, so it's like that's what we're really up against is is machine politics in Queens. Yeah, let's hear names. I want to hear names. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about people? <laughs> I mean, come on now. Um, yeah, yeah, no. Um, yeah, so we're uh, yeah, so we're looking at a field where uh, we have uh, uh, Rory Lansman, um, who is uh, in city council. Uh, we have Mina Malik, who's running as a progressive uh, uh, Queens Queens born person. Um, we have uh, uh, obviously Melinda Katz, um, the establishment candidate, at least for the Democrats. Uh, we have uh, Greg Lasik, uh, who is a former prosecutor. Uh, Jose Nieves, who is a former prosecutor, um, who is uh, at least outspoken about being a reformer. But again, prosecutor, that's that's going to be a whole thing. Um, Do we skip, uh, skip over uh, the, the hundreds of thousands of dollars like, right. uh, that you know, and and the fa- be, uh, if a DA uh, is favored by the police, you might want to be thinking yeah. about that. Right. Can yeah. I mention one thing about the Queens Rikers table? Yeah, man. So actually, uh, the Queens Rikers table on Saturday the 16th from 10:30 to 2, we're going to be out uh, right there in Queensbridge, uh, the F train stop station. And uh, Tiffany Caban has let us know that she's going to be coming out as well. Nice. So I just want to bump that, that, you know, Tiffany's going to be out there talking to folks about the same things we've been talking to folks. Uh, she, she wants to come out and table with us and uh, do the work we've been doing. So just a quick shout out for that. Yeah. And, and a shout out to all of our really coalition partners, because I don't think this gets to uh, be said enough. The DSA doesn't, you know, we're not... We don't have the ability to do everything, right? A lot of this is coalition. You know, a lot of the work that gets done is because we have coalition partners and we have community partners. And I always want people to understand that um, the DSA should not always be getting the credit. Um, We have such strong coalition partners like Queens Neighborhoods United, DRUM, CAV, you know, groups that have been out here doing grassroots work for a while. Uh, No New Jails is out there opposing new prisons. So I don't want to just make it about the DSA because we have so many amazing grassroots partners out there. 
Thank you, Jose. Uh, and we're going to go to live Collins in a second, but also, uh, Jonathan, you had a, a, an event that you... Yeah, yeah. So I, I know that. So for the ECRB, um, you know, one of the pieces that I want to make sure that everybody knows and is aware of is that this Thursday, this Thursday at six o'clock at City Hall, uh, there'll be a City Charter Revision Commission meeting. And that one meeting will be the chance for New Yorkers to uh, to demand the right to vote for an elected civilian review board. So it'll actually really pivot all around that one event. So all of you listeners out there uh, that uh, care about community control of the police, um, make sure you're at City Hall at 6 o'clock on Thursday. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, just forget it. You missed it, man. (laughs) (laughs) And if you'd like to find out more about the Queen's Rikers table, we did a whole episode on that. You can go to WBAI.org. We're also streaming on places that you can find podcasts. And now we'd like to open it up to our our audience. Um, if you want to call in, the number is 212-209-2877. Uh, tell us what you think the criminal justice system should look like in a democratic socialist society. And again, that number is 212-209-2877. And I know what I'm looking for in a society is definitely not a system. Um, I was at a court case once where uh, Joseph Percoco, he was like Cuomo's right-hand man, um, was he's been charged with bribery. He was like already found guilty. And this was at the Supreme Court down near Foley Square. And we were sitting there and, you know, of course, this man before him, you know, a black man was brought in in, in chains and, you know, like looks, you know, like kind of projecting as a criminal where Joseph Prococo gets to sit there in his suit, even though he's already also been found guilty with all his, you know, white lawyers and everything. And the lawyer or the judge was like, okay, you can report back in three months. You get to spend Christmas with your family. So it's like so clear that our current criminal justice system right now, like doesn't care about these crimes that actually harm so many people. You know, he took bribes from a frack gas power plant and will harm all these communities. But his crime is like, oh, yeah, just whenever you're ready to show up, like, go ahead. You can show up later. <laughs> Didn't Wanda Sykes have a bit about, uh, you know, like draining people's pensions? It's like, you know, she just stole somebody's future. Like, that's not just, um, you know, taking their wallet, you know. Um, as, as a democratic socialist, I'm definitely excited about the potential for uh, prosecuting white collar crimes. And um, let's get them. Yeah, you know, uh, we might not be in the historical moment that we're in if some people had actually been held to account in 2008. Um, you know, it's terrifying stuff when you when you look at you know just how unaccountable everybody was. So yeah. Uh, so if you'd like to call in, please let us know what you'd like to see in a criminal justice system. Um, that number is 212-209-2877. Let us know what you're thinking out there. One conversation that I definitely think that we do need to have as progressives is, um, you know, without being utopian, it's it's what is safety going to look like, um, you know, if we... Uh, if we really win some gains, you know, I, I have a complicated view of human nature, but uh, do we have somebody on the line? We do. Caller, you're now live on WBAI. Hi, guys. Thanks for calling. I just wanted to say, you're welcome. 
that we need transparency. They could probably live stream all the court cases. You know, instead of watching Kim Kardashian, we can live stream City Hall and live stream everything. So we can just go on YouTube and see how the court is run. And I also want to know, when is the next forum? That should be live streamed too. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks so much for calling. And yeah, we definitely agree. When you actually sit and see this process, it's it's like a whole a whole different experience. And we have another caller on the line. Yeah. You are live now on WBAI. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I definitely would love to be involved with this. Anything that gets that allows you to elect the people who sit on the CCRB, it is and has been a joke for so many years yeah. and papers there and to constantly get back with insufficient and I'm sorry we basically they side for the police they, they in most cases they find whatever you say insufficient we really can't substantiate that you know anything happened yeah. and it's a joke it's a joke yeah absolutely yeah well you know uh, for everybody who feels very passionate about this uh make sure you're at uh city hall on thursday at six o'clock so we can actually demand the right to vote uh for an ecrb uh, from the city charter revision commission but you can also reach out to uh the ecrb campaign on facebook and you know i'll probably <laughs> be answering you so yeah i'd like absolutely um there's definitely spaces in which people can get involved to help push the work forward so yeah thanks for thanks for calling and you know yeah reach out to us and i i'll i'd love to get a chance to talk to you about your experience and seeing how we can get you plugged in and Phil, what are some of the other things that are happening uh, on the ground in Queens right now that people can get involved in? Yeah, for sure. Um, there is um, petitioning nonstop. Uh, and I, w- I would be remiss if I wasn't backing up my electoral working group uh, comrades. So uh, if you go to bit.ly slash Caban for Queens, and I'm going to spell that C-A-B-A-N number four, Q-U-E-E-N-S. You can see our petitioning schedule if you're interested in signing up to petition. Um, Also, uh, uh, Dan Lynch, who you heard from earlier, uh, this Saturday 3-9 is doing uh, Choose Your Own Adventure petitioning all day in Jackson Heights. There are uh, various different... um, uh, schedules available. You could do a lot. You could do a little. He's going to be going from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, and also, there is another DA forum coming up with uh, DA candidates. Uh, and uh, I'm the worst guest ever because I need to um, get that information off my phone right now. But let me get right back to you on that. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, maybe some uh, past experiences with the review board and things that have happened or things you have not seen happen that? have not held police accountable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, everybody is very familiar with um, with uh, Panaleo not being prosecuted. Um, but um, recently, actually, um, recently there's been, there's been movement there. Um, so we're, we're seeing, like, we're seeing right now um, that the city is trying to figure out uh, how do, how do we kind of, how does it position itself to 
appear as if it's if it's doing something about the problem of police violence and police being able to um, commit abuse with with impunity, you know. Um, and so right now we're starting to see like a little bit of movement. There was recently um, an article that that came out that talked about. Um, uh, the city like looking into disciplining uh, Pamaleo, and we're we're like half a decade out, right, since uh, Garner was killed, um, and so like none of this movement is happening because of the city being like, you know what, we care about people like not ha- not having police be able to commit abuse on them with impunity. You know, this this isn't happening because the city has decided, oh yeah, we actually might care about the people. No, it's it's happening because people are organizing to change the re- the structural relationships that are there. Um and so we're seeing like the city start to be like, oh snap. People are starting to organize. People are trying to change the system in these ways. Maybe we can, you know, have some kind of concessions that will uh, will make people's uh, frustrations go away. Um, so I don't know we're starting to see we're starting to see some some actual changes going on. And what do you think maybe has been what's caused that resistance for them changing? And do you think they might be a little freaked out, and the police might be a little freaked out by such a strong progressive candidate like Tiffany running? Well. I, I mean, okay, yeah, I, I I think that, yes, I mean, okay, so I, I think that people are well aware that, um, you know, this, the socialist movement is definitely making a lot of uh, establishment, uh, like politicians, um, but, you know, just the establishment in general, uncomfortable, like, for sure, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that I'm on the top of the list of friends for, like, police officers, but... <laughs> I got uh, I got the candidate or the uh, candidate forum information. Uh, that awkward moment when you realize that you uh, took the uh, the post out and then closed the window. But anyway, uh, Vocal New York is having a DA candidate forum uh, that is March twelfth at six p.m. Ben Max and Zephyr Teachout will be moderating, and uh, DSA is a co-host of this forum. So um, definitely come down and. Um, you know, see what you think about the DA candidates. Uh, we, we've made our preference uh, pretty clear as Queens DSA. But, um, yeah, uh, love to see folks at the forum. And thanks, Jonathan, so much for joining us today and letting New York City know about this really exciting opportunity that they have. You've been listening to Revolutions Per Minute on WBAI 99.5. Catch you next week. Shout out to Queens. It's a one that we have made.